not not the entire history of rough primer on coffee goats found it and that's the introduction for this podcast that's this internet (laughs) coffee brought to you by goats Welcome to this week's podcast, and we are excited that you've uh, joined us for uh, the first few episodes, and we hope that you are going to continue with us. This episode is fun for me and Travis because one of the things that we call our podcast is the Calvary Coffee Hour, and believe it or not, uh, every time we sit down to do one of these, there's generally a cup of coffee in our hands. Um, We just don't try to slurp it uh, in the microphone, Uh, but right now, like in our table, there you go. (laughs) As you slurp it in the microphone. Uh, right now on our table, we have a Chemex of an Ethiopian natural that uh, we brew actually every Sunday here at the church. We have that and a Guatemalan um, uh, washed process that we brew every Sunday at Calvary Baptist Church. And uh, they are fantastic. Uh, and they are fresh roasted weekly, usually within 24 to 48 hours of Sunday morning. So um, we're fancy, I guess. <laughs> I guess the best way to describe it. So fancy. I mean, we're to the point where I think people look at us and like, you're coffee snobs. Yeah. I prefer enthusiast. Yeah. I mean, snob isn't a bad word if it's in the right context, right? Sure. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's like coffee. We could say connoisseur. 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 We could be real fancy about it, but. In reality, we're in East Texas, and you either drink Folgers or something else, and so we just we choose something else. We choose something else, Um, and uh, we've talked with a lot of people about coffee, and we do our very, very best to um, hold in a lot of our emotions when talking about coffee because you got people that can uh, say one thing here, and then they say one thing here, and then. They're like, oh, this is the best coffee I've ever had. And then you like get it and it looks like something you would cook chicken with on a charcoal fire. And we're like, oh, that's so great. I'm glad you like it. Um, But the beauty of it is I think we like coffee because it really appeals to different palates. I think more than anything else, because some people like it super sweet. Some people like it dark like their soul. And... (laughs) Where are we going with this? I don't really know exactly. So maybe maybe I've got a better introduction. <laughs> that's so, that's staying though. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to take that as So one bit of feedback I heard from someone who listened to the first episode was like it's called the the Calvary Coffee Hour mm-hmm. and you guys didn't talk about coffee at all. That's so true. this is for that person. Um <laughs> we, we do one podcast <laughs> for one person each week. So if you really, really want us to say something about your opinions, you can just tell them. All to you it, have to do, and we'll reserve an entire. We're desperate for material hour, to talk about. Hour. Um, <laughs> no, but for real, like, um, we, I think we said in the first episode, like, we want you to grab a cup of coffee or tea or whatever you enjoy, and then like yeah. sit down and you can hear a little bit more of what's going on at the church, and that was kind of the idea behind it, but. Since yeah. someone suggested this, like we're gonna nerd yeah. out on which I guess our it, hobby. I guess it's church related because we do drink coffee here at the church. So we can call that a ministry related item. <laughs> um but really, I mean, I like coffee. It's like a universal language. It really is. I mean, you can 
Um, you can do meetups at coffee shops. You can, when you've got dinner guests over, it's you might want a cup of coffee. So to me, coffee is a great language. It is a great conversation starter. It is a great icebreaker. Um, so well, and it's not just like a Western thing or a modern thing. Like it's been around for a very long time and it's like sure different cultures use it differently yeah, to and, a degree, but. And I think it's probably the most American thing because I mean, think about the, even the foundation of America. What do we do? We take tea and we throw it in the Harbor. <laughs> they didn't throw coffee beans in the Harbor. They did not. W- were there coffee beans on the boat? But probably not. It came from, it came from England. It probably like, I mean, they're tea drinkers. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like tea. Tea is great. I like a Earl Grey or a Bergamo type tea. I really like that kind of a, uh, I almost think of it like old shoe type taste when it comes to tea. Do you drink matcha? Not really. I'm not a green tea person or even like a matcha. I'm not even a chai tea. I've got into matcha quite a bit. Like if I'm meeting up with somebody at a coffee shop and I've like already had too much caffeine, it's like matcha is my go-to. See, I like the, I like the Earl Grey or the Bergamo because you can do like a London fog with those. You get that hot milk with some vanilla. I don't know. It's got a really good kind of lingering aftertaste. So if you're not a huge latte fan, but you're a tea drinker, I always recommend the London Fog because it's just, it's pretty wonderful. Um, But for us, I think coffee has been kind of our thing that we gravitate towards. And we, uh, last semester on campus, we started a coffee club where we really got into the ins and outs of coffee and uh, it was interesting watching college kids go, wait a second. Like there's all these things that come uh, with coffee. Like, yes. Yeah. And we're barely scraping the top of the iceberg. Like, yeah, it, it would be like if you were to go to like a coffee shop for the first time and you were like, tell me about coffee and the barista behind the counter is going, there's this, 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 and this. That's pretty much all we covered. <laughs> like we didn't really get super neat into it but um, we both have different experiences when it comes to coffee and um, different trainings different kind of um, paces that we came into even that world Um, but I know for me I remember the first time I ever had a sip of coffee the very first I was a little kid and I was at my I was at my house obviously because we're kids being a kid back in the 80s and 90s, though, you could like ride your bike over the neighborhood for 24 hours and your parents were like, yeah, they'll come home. No eventually. helicopter parents. Yeah, yeah. They'd come home eventually. It'd be fine. Uh, I remember being in my buddies, like my friend, his dad had a woodworking shop and we were in there like cutting up wood on a bandsaw and all. I had no clothes in. I could have lost all of my <laughs> fingers, um, but I didn't. And my parents never knew about that. I mean, it's like, they had so many secrets. Um, it was great. But, so first sip of coffee. Yeah, first sip. I remember even the mug. So we had a... Um, wow, this is really I important know. to you. Yeah, it was, it's, a, it's one of those vivid memories. Uh, my dad, when he would do yard work or mow or do things like that, especially if it was in the morning time in the summer, he'd always have a cup of coffee out there with him. And my dad was a diehard through and through like Folgers or Maxwell House type drinker. And he's always drank coffee black. He has never... I mean, as far as I've known... My mom could could care anything about coffee. My mom's like, that's the nastiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I don't even care about it. But my dad has always had a Mr. Coffee Pot or something like that, brewing Folgers. And I remember as a kid, he's out there doing yard work. And on my swing set, he had set his gray, um, 
kind of plastic travel mug with the red. I mean, it had red lid, red or yellow lid, but it was from the corner store up above our house. And he had that out there and I was like, oh, I'm going to try it. So I took a sip of it and I immediately spit it out all over the place. <laughs> I was like, this is disgusting. Like it's terrible. <laughs> and I didn't really, um, I didn't really get too far into coffee until I was in college. Like coffee wasn't really a thing for me. I got into it in college. And even then, I think that I put everything under the sun in it just to mask like espresso shots because it wasn't like coffee, coffee I was into. It was brew fruit coffee that I was into. Yeah, our stories are very similar. I think, I don't think I tried it until I was in high school though. Yeah. And it was Folgers from a Mr. Coffee Pot and it was disgusting. Yeah. And um, then I was a sophomore at SFA. Yeah. And I had this like, I don't remember if it was a paper, what it was, it was something for an English class that was due like 8 a.m. the next morning and it's like 11 p.m. the <laughs> night before and I hadn't even started. And so I was like, well, I guess this is going to be my first like all nighter in college. And yeah. uh, went to Walmart with one of my roommates. We bought a Mr. Coffee and then like ran over. And I don't remember if it was Folgers or something else. McDonald's brand or Dunkin' or uh, I don't know what we got, but we got something and it was nasty. And then so we went back to the store and got a bunch of creamer. Um, and then it was like 50% creamer, 50% coffee. Yes. And then probably for like, I don't know, six months or maybe even a year, like my coffee was mostly creamer. Uh-huh. Or if it was just like regular milk, I'd put like, four packets of sugar in it and it was like it had to be super sweet or yeah. it's gross yeah and i had some friends who had started to dabble in specialty coffee mm-hmm. and so like they'd go to java and they were like no every day on the board there's like a different medium roast and every time it's different and i'm like what are you talking about all coffee tastes the same <laughs> and uh so i like very slowly started like going with these guys and getting whatever the medium roast at java is and that's still my habit today i never get yeah. the dark roast but like, I remember, I think they called it the Mexico Pluma mm-hmm. was the first coffee that I was like, I actually like this black. That's like awesome. it's not super bitter. I can kind of get the like chocolatey taste. Uh-huh. And that was the first one I was like, oh, I don't need to put a bunch of stuff in here to enjoy this. Yeah. And then it was slowly like, okay, here's one from Ethiopia. Here's one from Nicaragua. Like in starting to very slowly figure out like how and why are these different yeah and uh that was kind of my yeah my intro into specialty coffee mine's kind of mine's i wouldn't say that um i was specialty so there's three for those of you guys listening there's three waves of coffee really um you've got your first wave which is kind of like your Folgers and your maxwell house your eight o'clock coffee your you know very standard uh machines and these guys they, they these companies they have machines they can roast you know hundreds of pounds of coffee in like two minutes and so their goal is just to get it burnt and then get it to you um as best they can and they may be like and it well, and they s- burn it for consistency yeah like because it's really hard to make green coffee beans taste the same oh 100 percent. So to make it taste the same they just burn it yeah and and even still like it'll say 100 percent colombian and that may just be like you know 300 
pound bags of rejects from certain farms in Colombia that didn't cut it to other specialty roasts. But, and, and if you drink Folgers on a regular basis, that's fine. I'm not, we're, if that's your, if that's no, your, it's not, it's, it's not, a, it's not fine. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little, only I'm, halfway kidding. I have a little more grace. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but then when we get down to it, like I, so there's that first wave. Second wave is more like how I got into it. Um, because I, when we were in college, they started doing a little coffee shop in our student center and it said proudly brewing Starbucks coffee. I mean, at that time you don't realize that that is just you saying, Hey, we're going to contact Starbucks. They're going to send us beans and then we're going to have like a little espresso machine. And you've got this kid who works for the, the food service system who doesn't know the first thing about making a latte. I remember the first time I went and got a mocha from the little student center Starbucks, that thing that we had. And the kid's like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I think I put too many pumps of, of chocolate in there. I was like, man, that's sweet. I don't care. You know? <laughs> uh, and that was kind of how I drank coffee for a long time. Like I would go in with a black coffee was nothing. So then when I moved to Texas and I was sitting in my dorm room at the seminary by myself going, I need something to do because I'm going to class. I come back here, I write music, record it, go to class, come back here, write music, record it. Oh, I should probably study, you know, I mean, that's, and, um, and so I was like, I need something to do. I had plenty of money to survive that semester without having to like do anything. And so I would go to the Starbucks on I-20 in Trail Lake in, in South Fort Worth. And I would just sit there, you know, I'd drink a latte or something like that and study a little bit and, uh, just way to get out of the, off campus and out. And that was kind of the place a lot of seminary students went to because it was, I mean, fairly close. We're talking like five or six minutes from campus. And just sitting there one day talking to one of the baristas, they're like, you're pretty cool. Like, you should apply for a job here. And I was like, I mean, yeah, that'd be fine. Like, whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll fill out application. And so she gave me the application. I was filling it out. And then as I'm filling it out, the manager, uh, Jason, he was a great dude, church planner in the area. Him and his brother were looking at planting churches in Fort Worth and in Colorado. And uh, he came out and he goes, hey, you got time for an interview tomorrow? I'm like, uh, yeah. So I kind of within a couple of days got a job working at Starbucks making a whopping $7.30 an hour. That was a big deal coming from $6.25 an hour selling shoes <laughs> um, to $7.30 an hour. And, um, and I just remember being like, this will be fun. And the training was, I mean, pretty basic. I mean, you're learning not just how to make coffee, but how to run the whole aspect of the shop because there's a lot of things to do. Um, but I remember one of the things they had is you had a coffee passport. And in the coffee passport, you had to try every roast they had at the time through a fringe press. And they would measure it out and do the water and everything, and you had to try the roast. And I remember it said, you should taste notes of this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And I would sit there on my free time to get through my coffee passport because I wanted to go to the next part of it. And I was like, I can't taste any of these. <laughs> I can't. All I taste is bitter. That's all I've tasted. <laughs> Why'd they use the French press? Uh, I'm not really sure. I don't know if it was just because that was the closest thing they could do to cupping. Save money on filters. <laughs> I am. I mean, I guess, but they would make a full French press for me. Like it wasn't like they would make like a little four cup French press. They would make the full on like eight cup French press, and I feel bad. I'm like, I only need one of. The, I would drink the whole thing. 
I'd be sitting there in a Starbucks studying, doing my coffee passport, drinking an entire French press on my day off because I was trying to get through all these things. Um, and I remember when I'd have to work morning shifts, I had a drink that I would use for morning shifts and a drink that I would make for during the day. During the day, I would do a quad shot like grande latte and I'd put a couple raw sugars in it and then some honey on top. Still one of my favorites if I wanted to get like a sweet drink. Mm-hmm. But my drink that I would do when I needed to start the morning, because we would be there at 5.30 a.m. to open at 6. We'd already have a line of cars around the building waiting for us to open because we're on I-20. I would get in, start the machines up, get them cleaned out, get everything going. I would automatically, in the testing phase, pour me four shots of espresso. I would put two pumps of white mocha, four shots of espresso, a little bit of whipped cream, stir it all around, down it, and then I'd, <laughs> I'd go for the day. And that was the start of my day. <laughs> and then you you would usually, we were only allowed one drink at a time. Um, that makes sense. But we never did that. Um, in fact, I, I was kind of a jerk and at in the evening times I closed a lot. We'd have these guys come in on dates uh, and they would be super, <sighs> I mean, the, the word I want to say, I can't say, but they would be super dudes, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Like one guy came in in his jacked up truck and he parked up on the curb and like all this stuff and he walks in and he's like, what's up, man? Like I need like four shot like white mocha. And I was like, okay. And so I'm making him his, his white mocha, but pretty feminine drink, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I went to, while he sat down, my shift supervisor was like, man, that guy's a mess. And I said, well, he's getting decaf today. And so, <laughs> I mean, they don't know, they don't know what button you're pushing. They just yeah. assume, I mean, by the time when you put that nut sugar in it, you're not even tasting the coffee at that point. So I made him decaf shots. <laughs> and then when high school kids would come in, which was pretty regular there, and they would be like from Wedgwood because Wedgwood Baptist was kind of like right behind there. And a lot of the, and they call themselves wedgies. So if I say wedgies, it's not an offense to them. They literally call themselves at Wedgwood wedgies. I'm a wedgie. I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> so, um, but a lot of people would come in from Wedgwood too, like ministers and like high school kids were right around the area. High school kids would come in, they'd be like silly. And they're like, man, I want like the craziest drink you can think of. And I had one that I made at that time called a snake bite. Uh, it was disgusting. <laughs> it was the awfulest. Like it was every what all ter- was in it. It's like ter- every terrible syrup we had. So like raspberry, uh, peppermint. Um, I think I put some nutmeg in there, and there was cinnamon. Uh, like there, it was awful. And I would do six shots of espresso in it. Uh, and there's literally by that time you only had a little bit of milk because I'm filling this cup up. And I'd be like, I'll tell you what, I'll make you whatever drink you want if you can down that whole thing. And they'd be like, oh, I can do it, I can do it. And they would be throwing up by the end of the day. And I'm like, <laughs> don't come in here and act a fool in my shop. I'm going to put you in your place. Um, but that was, I think working at the coffee shop really was what brought me more closer into coffee. Um, but I didn't really know anything about kind of like what you and I talk about, more of a third wave. I didn't know anything hardly about that until maybe five years ago oh okay so that's fairly recent yeah yeah well for the people listening explain the difference between second and third wave well second wave is kind of like your more um, mainstream coffee shops that we see they're a little bit more of the starbucks Starbucks, duncan dutch brothers um pete's coffee uh when seattle's best was around and they're big chains yeah stores but not folgers or 
yeah, they still do their own roasts, but even still, some of those roasts are, again, for consistency's sake, done on a darker side. Which is why you couldn't taste the difference in all of your Starbucks is because they're all burned. Right. When I well, when I first started drinking like third wave coffee, I was like, there's not oil all over the bean. Like this <laughs> is not done. Like it should be. So it was a learning, a huge learning curve for me, just kind of understanding the difference between like what we would call a light, medium, or dark roast. There's really just a roast. <laughs> and your your design of that roast is to bring out different flavor profiles. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I started roasting coffee on my own that I started researching more and more about that. But third wave would be more of your specialty coffee, kind of like what we have here in town, Java Jacks. Um, and even to a point like Thumpers uses a little bit more of a, of a they use a roaster that's kind of local. Uh, in Tyler, and they use a little bit more of like a third wave type philosophy. University Coffee uses a roaster that is, I think, out of like they're up north, I think. But that their their roast is a little bit more of a consistent kind of a third wave type. Um, so you're seeing more of these smaller coffee shops use a little bit more specialty roast as opposed to. And the know, idea of third wave is like because it's smaller batch, you don't have to because you're not trying to produce just crazy amounts of coffee. Yeah. Like you can control the temperature a little bit more. You don't burn it near as much. Yeah. Um, so even like what Starbucks calls a light roast to me is a dark roast. Yeah. Like they don't serve anything that is actually light because they have to burn everything for consistency. Whereas like we're Java, especially with like the Camino Real. Yeah. Um, and then there was a bunch of shops that I learned about while we lived in Kansas city. I mean, um oddly correct messenger um those are my two favorites but like i would order a coffee there and i'd be like i've never tasted anything like this because it would just be black coffee there'd be zero bitterness it would just be like this tastes like strawberries or like this tastes like a blueberry or cherry or yeah like i feel like i'm drinking chocolate milk but it's black coffee yeah and i was like what in the world is this because this is so much better than that you know original sip of folgers it's like this (laughs) this doesn't seem like it's the same thing yeah. So like when people, when people are like, why do you spend so much money on coffee? Or like, why is this so important to you? It's like, okay, you can go get a 99 cent hamburger at McDonald's mm-hmm. and that has beef. Ish. I mean, Beefish. <laughs> you can also go spend like a hundred dollars on a really, really, really good steak. Mm-hmm. Now, both of those things are red meat, but there is clearly a quality difference. Yeah. And coffee is no different. Yeah. Like I'm not saying you have to get that into it, but like if I have to choose between a hundred dollar steak and a ninety nine cent hamburger from McDonald's. I'm gonna yeah. I'm, you know, assuming money is not part of the, the equation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the steak <clears throat> is what I'm gonna choose. And to me, coffee is one of those like little luxuries of it's like, yeah, it's more expensive yeah. than Folgers, but it's like a dollar a cup, even with the the quote unquote expensive. Well, and it was like a, we, there was a conversation base. I had with a former staff member here and they were like Brahms milk from like the Brahms fast yeah, yeah. food. They're like, it's so much better than any other milk. And I'm like, milk is milk to a point. <laughs> like you, you suck out whatever fat you don't want in it and then you bottle it up. And like when I mix it with my cereal, like I'm not tasting the milk anymore. I'm tasting fruity pebble milk. Like that's <laughs> so, but it, it's kind of that same principle because people are like, I can't believe you're spending that much extra on that when it's the same over here. But to certain people, there's that quality difference. Now, if you're not into wanting quality, none of that matters. Like you, you don't have to worry about that. 
Um, but if you want to heighten your like coffee drinking and, and just kind of maybe push that a little bit further, there's ways to do that. And that's, I think, even beyond like your second wave Starbucks chains and things like that. Starbucks was a great inroad for me with coffee. So I can't, I can't always diss them. Like I'm on some Facebook groups about home roasting and uh, at home baristas and things like that. And they just spend tons of time bashing Starbucks. Um, but I'm not on those discords, but I would be one yeah, of those people. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, for guys like me, it was a great inroad. Sure. And, you know, I met up with my buddy Renee in Fort Worth and Renee was my assistant manager at my Starbucks. He liked the same music I liked. He liked uh, the same kind of coffee stuff I liked. In fact, we uh, we would break a lot of rules because we would take the ice, the shaken iced tea pitchers. And he said, man, back in the day when I started, we used to shake iced coffee in those things. I was like, let's do that. Like, they're like <laughs> you can't cross-contaminate. I'm like, I don't care. And so we would get one of the older tea pitchers and we would pour iced coffee in there with like toffee nut um, and a little bit of cream so it's still one of my favorite drinks from Starbucks. If I have to go to a Starbucks and it's like summertime, that's what I'm getting. Um, but we would take it and shake it up and man, we just sip the foam off of that. Just the foam was like, Oh, this is so great. But Renee would, when I would go visit him, he'd be like, man, let's go down here and get a pour over. And he worked at another shop there on Magnolia in Fort Worth. I can't remember the name. I think it's a Voca coffee there in Fort Worth. And they bought like an old oil change place and turned it into a coffee shop. So the big garage doors were glass. And so you could see in and it was had this nice. really cool vibe. But they were kind of they had their roasters like over on the side. So you could see their roasting setup and then they had their coffee setup. Uh he worked there for a long time, part time. But that's also what got me into one of my more specialty drinks that I love, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um those things were kind of my introduction into third wave too. I didn't know it at the time. But you know, you slowly start realizing, oh, there's different types of coffee out there yeah um i mean i knew i didn't know that much but i knew what i liked from java jacks like they were my introduction to it yeah but then whenever we moved to kansas city like i said there was so many options there because you actually you were one of the first ones to help get the coffee shop there at midwestern kind of kicked off and going right yeah so um a guy that i went to church with actually like ran the shop and he Hired me as one of the baristas, um, just knowing that I was also a coffee snob. And um, we got to, so we partnered with Messenger, Mm -hmm. which is in like downtown Kansas City. They had this huge brick building um, downtown. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, Messenger also has um, a bakery in it that is out of this world. (laughs) I mean, like they would literally because of how many people have like gluten sensitivity now, they would import their flour from France because <laughs> France grows their wheat differently. And so like people who have gluten sensitivities like could eat at this bakery. Um, awesome. So, I mean, their pastries are phenomenal. I mean, best I've ever had. So that was also at messenger, like on the first floor. And then the second floor had more seating as well as like, that's where the roaster is. Mm-hmm. And then behind the roaster, they have what they called their coffee lab. And so because the, the coffee shop at Midwestern bought our coffee from Messenger, we got to go do training there with them and their baristas. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I still remember the guy's name was Isaac. He had an entire tattoo sleeve of, like, Star Wars stuff. It was super cool. Um, <laughs> but he was, he was teaching us, like, how to steam milk. And 
again, not not hating on your Starbucks experience, but yeah. like when you pull like espresso shots, like you press a button, like there's the regular, or there's the decaf, yeah, and then the machine just like one sp- or two spits it out. Cool. So the machine that I learned to pull espresso shots on, I believe it was around thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. Um. I mean, this was like a hand built in Italy, like from the traditional espresso makers. Um. I mean, yeah, like this thing cost more than both of my cars put together. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is to, to he, he, I mean, he was joking too. He's like, yeah, this thing costs, you know, 30 grand or whatever. And uh, we push hot water through coffee with it. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but um, I mean, when we would pull espresso shots and I don't know of any place in East Texas that does it this specifically, maybe Silver Grizzly in Longview, which is another kind of local good. I say local East Texas good shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean like we would manually pull all of our shots. And so like you'd have to adjust the grind size on your espresso grinder. So we'd have a separate grinder for espresso. Um, and we usually had at least two different types of espresso. Uh-huh. Um, so you'd have to dial in first thing. Like, I mean, we do this at the Midwestern shop too, but like you'd have to dial in like exactly how coarse or how fine you wanted it. And then you'd try to pull it for like exactly I want to say it was 18 seconds or something. I mean, it was super specific and it was like if the the water came through quicker than 14 seconds, like your shot was too bitter. And if like it was over yeah. like 24 seconds, it was like too sweet mm-hmm. or like, I mean, they were crazy specific with how much to do it. And then also like when it came to steaming milk, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Starbucks machines like kind of spit out your hot milk for you. Well, it, it was more automatic, so you would have to aerate the milk. So you would you would hit the button for milk, and you'd aerate it, but then you'd push it back, and it had a, a thermo sensor in it. And once it reached temperature, it would shut off. So, like we we had to, um, they wanted us to be able to steam the milk without using a thermometer, mm-hmm. and so like you had to have your hand on the pitcher that was getting super super hot, and like you would just get used to whatever that had to be. And I didn't realize if you don't warm up the milk enough, like you can actually make people super sick. So, um, the fact that like we weren't allowed to use a thermometer, I mean like we did like the first few times, but it was like only so your hand could get used to like, okay, this now hit 155 degrees. It's now safe or whatever it was. I don't remember now, but, um, and so we work on our milk and getting the consistency just right. Like people Mm -hmm. don't realize how hard that is. Like we've talked about Latte art is actually really, really hard to do. It's super hard. Yeah. And it's all about the consistency of your milk. So like if if your milk looks really foamy, um, which most places around here do, right. you will never pour like a flower or like any of those things you might see on Instagram. Yeah. Because it has to be more silky. More silky than yeah. having the foam. Yeah. And I think that's like even at home, like when I'm when I'm pulling shots on my machine at home, which I'm not I'm not super fancy. I don't want people to think of I find these things super used on Facebook and I'm like, Hey, your machine's missing 10 parts. Would you take like 50 bucks for it? Uh, That's kind of how I operate. But, um, but I think that, that trying to get that milk right was always a challenge. I think at Starbucks, we, we heated our milk up to like 180. I think that was what we, it was set to do. Um, but that also allowed that, that latte to stay warmer longer uh, in that paper cup. Cause you lose a lot of heat on that. Um, but anyway, so like, so you did that and that was kind of like when we met, you were way more immersed into the third wave stuff. And by that time I'd already been roasting coffee at home 
and was not doing awesome at it. <laughs> I think that's a, but for me, I mean, my introduction to even that was just a bunch of YouTube videos. Yeah. Well, I think this is where we, you know, we share this passion of third wave coffee, but like where we differ is like, uh, you're excited about and getting better and better at the roasting process. Yeah. Which like, I fully recognize that especially the environment that I was at in Kansas city made me like a total snob. Um, it was the Chemex <laughs> stuck to the table. And, uh, that's not me using the bag. I was going to say that sounds like somebody's <laughs> like, good job. Coffee. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, uh, yeah. So Kansas city made me such a snob that I know I would never be able to get the cup that I'm looking for from mm-hmm. something that I roasted. So I'm willing to pay a little bit more for the bag than rather myself try to roast yeah. it. Cause like, so I mentioned oddly correct and they do what a lot of specialty places do, but they do farm direct. So yeah. they're not like buying coffee from someplace on the internet like you do. Right. Like they're going to fly down to Columbia or Guatemala <laughs> or wherever they're sourcing this coffee from. They go to like no joke well, they may not go to this many farms, but they will literally sample like a hundred different coffee plantations yeah. and figure out like, we like this one, we don't like this one. This one might be good for espresso, not good for drip coffee. Like, I mean, yeah. the the amount of sampling that they do is ridiculous. Yeah. And unless you just have the money to travel the world sampling coffee places, like I don't feel like you have as much control or even just like the options or what you would buy in terms of green coffee. Well, and that's such a big market too, because like for me with, with what I'm able to do with the resources that I have, I I don't have resources or equipment or, uh, enough built up to actually go, Hey, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take a week off, fly to South America and find some (laughs) coffee plantations. It's going to be great. Or I'm going to fly down to Ethiopia and we're going to spend some time looking at different coffee. I mean, um, so what I have to do is I have to work with distributors who have already done that work with the farmer. So it's still what we call single origin, single estate. Uh, it's still that, but it's not me going down there directly. So I have to work on faith that I can make a good cup of coffee off what I'm getting without ever having tried it. Um, and so. And that might be phenomenal or the person who sourced it might have a different palate than you. Right. Like you and, don't know until you roast it. Yeah. And they will give you notes. Like you should, you should be able to hit this, 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 this on the cupping notes. Um, and they'll even give you like things. So it, even in like roasting, uh, a lot of times if you're in coffee, you hear the words light, medium, dark roast. In roasting, we call that um, city to full city. Um, city roast is what you would consider more light roast. City plus would be a more medium roast. Um, full city would be a dark roast. Full city plus would be charcoal. And so that's, uh, and I've done all of those in between. Um, and, and I think that, uh, in that process, you really begin to dial in and go, Oh man, this, this tastes great here. And then, well, this one, I probably should roast it a little bit longer. So like for even here at the church, my Ethiopian, I get it to the city roast where it's just starting to, that humidity is starting to leave the bean. It's starting to physically pop and you hear the audible pop of it. And I stop it um, because I feel like with the natural process of the bean and the roasting, that's going to give me a little bit more of a sweeter 
floral notes that, that you should be getting and fruity notes. I feel like we should explain what a natural process is. <laughs> so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So there's several different processes. I say several. There's there's a couple different processes of coffee. You've got your drier natural processes, your washed processes, your honey processes. Um, and then you've got even anaerobic process, which is a kind of a combination of some of those. There's also bourbon, which I don't know what that means. Bourbon process. I'd have to read back on that. I haven't, it's been a while. I mainly stick with washed and natural because mm-hmm. those tend to be where I can get more consistency. Um, but, but in that, that's essentially a way like they pick the, the bean, the cherry, which the bean is inside of a, a fruity cherry. They pick that off of the tree and then that comes into their facility and depending on their wash process, um, a lot of times they'll lay the cherries out for like a dryer natural. They'll lay the cherries out, these massive pads uh, on the ground, and they allow the fermentation of that bean to happen naturally. So the sun bakes it, cooks it, that cherry begins to uh, fall off of the bean, and then they take it from there, and they finish the processing from there. Uh, whereas a wash, it goes to these massive wash vats, and that cherry gets washed off of the bean but what happens is, is the, the bean doesn't saturate in that cherry longer, taking more of the oils and the, the fruitiness of that bean. So you're getting a little bit of a different flavor. A lot of those, I think, are more nutty, more chocolatey, more, um, more, more of those kind of notes where a natural process, I tend to find you get more floral notes, fruitier notes. And typically, like, like that's common, especially in Ethiopia, because... They have dry seasons where they don't have rain, so they can right. literally just leave the beans out with the cherries still on. Yeah. And so when we're talking about something tasting like blueberry or strawberry, it's yeah. literally because a cherry, like an actual yeah. fruit, not like the cherries you'd get at the store, but a coffee cherry yeah. is baking from the sun yeah. into that bean. And so as long as it's not burned in the roasting process, like the coffee can actually be sweet and fruity by itself with no milk, no cream, no sugar. And then, um, like you were saying, with the washed process, usually that happens in Central and South America because mm-hmm. they get so much rain, Yeah, they can't do the natural yeah. process. So it's not that it's like coffees from Africa taste fruity and from South America they don't. Yeah. It's, it's in the process of how do we extract this bean or the seed yeah. out of the cherry. And so, yeah, like you were saying, because they wash it, those... Central South American countries usually usually are the nutty chocolate, those yeah. sorts of notes. Um, sometimes you get citrusy, but sometimes, but that's also common with the natural process. Yeah. Although, um, I don't know if it's still there, but fairly recently Java had a Costa Rican that there was some sort of like uh, earthquake they were telling me about that like messed up their washing process, and so literally they got like um, like the top of a greenhouse. Uh-huh. to put over so that even when it rained it wouldn't like soak into the beans but then whenever they had sunlight that it would do more like a natural process and so it was like a natural process Costa Rican which is hard to find yeah um and it was super good yeah but, and I, that's what I love because every it's like every plantation has their different method and different way they do it and even the the, the picking seasons and in that even those beans the, the DNA of that bean there's so many different variations out there. And I think that's what people don't get. They're like, oh, it's a Colombian bean. Well, yeah, but it could be a Colombian from this plantation, which might do it this way. A Colombian from this plantation might do it this way. This one may do a honey process. This may do a wash process. This may do a, you know, and so it's, you really, and you really do get different notes. Like I have a, at home, I roast a Tanzanian uh, pea berry at times. 
And I was really excited about it because I was looking at the cupping notes. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I hate it as a drip coffee. <laughs> it is the worst. Like I tried it for Melina and she was like, this smells and tastes terrible. I was like, dad gum. I've got like 10 pounds of this. What am I going to do with roasting this? So I've been roasting it and roasting it and roasting it. And I've been giving it to friends to try. And like, I've got friends that I'm, I'll send them a bag of coffee and be like, okay, you're a snob. Tell me where it's terrible. Tell me where it's good. And usually I get the response back. It's like, you know, with what you have to work with, <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but in that, I hated it as drip coffee. So I was trying to find, I was trying to make an espresso one day and I was like, you know what? I don't have any beans roasted up for my espresso, which that's another uh, common misnomer, I think in coffee that your espresso has to be an espresso blend and it has to be really, really dark. Espresso, when we talk about espresso, it's just a method of brewing coffee. Just like your Mr. Coffee is a method of brewing coffee. Espresso is just a method by which you brew. It's a more concentrated, compact method. Uh, and you even have different types of espresso. So you have like a, a one-to-one, a one-to-two, and a one-to-three. And those are based on the amount of, the, the weight of beans you use versus the weight of coffee. So general espresso is like a one-to-two. So if I use 18 grams of bean. I need to come up with 36 grams of, of, of coffee. And that's a, that's a, was a standardized espresso shot. Um, so I was doing the Tanzanian and I was like, I've just, I've got this. It's not good for drips. I'm just going to use it as espresso. And by that time it was about a two week old roast. It was fantastic. Hmm. So as an espresso, it has been wonderful, but as a drip coffee, it, tasted horrible <laughs> and so we we use it for that right now so i don't really sell it because it's hard to really you know most sell people it. aren't doing espresso at their yeah house. they're not doing espresso uh, at their house so um and and that's i mean that can be a whole nother like rabbit trail of finances you can go down and people always try to justify and say oh well i i can buy this espresso machine and spend way less a really good at home espresso machine for at-home use, it's going to cost you $2,000. Walmart Zoco makes one that's like $1,000. Nope. Did they stop making that? No. I, I don't used know. They to. The smallest one they have for like home use right now is like at base five grand. Yeah. Lummer Zoco is pretty top-notch though. Yeah. I use a Breville and I found it on Facebook for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's for what I do. It's, and for me at home and how much I actually use it, it's pretty fantastic. Um, I also have a, a, a 1991 La Pavoni uh, lever manual espresso machine, but I've got to redo all the gaskets on it. So that's a side note. This is also where we're different because I know nothing about espresso machines. <laughs> uh, but you could probably actually make a better espresso than I could because you've had more experience give with... Give me a $30,000 machine and I can. <laughs> But yeah, so if so you're I just listening do at the overs. church and you want to help sponsor us, uh, you can sponsor us by buying a $30,000 Lama Zarco and we can put it in the coffee shop. <laughs> uh, we've talked about that though. I think we've talked about how we could take our knowledge of coffee, expand a little bit further, even at our church and make it something where our church people could enjoy it even more than just us talking about it. But by making a good quality cup for them daily, um, we just don't know how we could do that and ministry at the same time. <laughs> And I think that's really what stops us. But um, there's some churches out there. I think they've been very successful at that, um, as that niche of uh, incorporating coffee into the more, I don't want to say like liturgy of their church, but it's it's more of in the- That D would be pushing it. Yeah, that would be pushing it. But it's more in the DNA of their church. Like 
like they're able to take resources and apply it and they see the the benefit of how it is a great outreach to their community because i i mean i don't know about it midwestern but i know at our starbucks when i worked there at that shop we spent a lot of time talking and getting to know people i mean we had regular customers that gave me and melina wedding gifts because they were <laughs> they knew us and they yeah. knew our story and they knew about you know what we were doing and I remember one of my favorite professors, Dr. Shirley at Southwestern, he would come by and just visit me at the shop and he handed me my, I still have it too, my copy of my utmost first highest in revised English, <laughs> revised and expand. And, uh, but there's, there was such a dynamic that coffee brought people together. You could talk and have conversation. You could talk over the most difficult things of your life, but also you could talk theology. You could talk ministry. You, we were seeing people come in every day doing Bible studies and just that enjoyment together. You know, uh, it was a, it was that common meeting place for people to feel like they had the freedom to express. And, and I mean, if you look at history, that goes back thousands of years, uh, even in 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 the Middle East. I mean, they were setting up coffee shops and that was the hub of uh, knowledge and philosophy and that you went to a coffee shop to to have kind of this existential conversation about life. And uh, I think those things still happen today. There's that that commonality that comes with it. And, and so when we talk about like even our affinity for coffee uh, and like the different roast processes and the tasting notes and how we've kind of experienced it, that's a that's a way that we even you and I connect, and we get to um, be vulnerable with one another and talk with one another and share stories and experiences and I mean it's really the goal and the idea of church life anyway is to be community that shares goals and experiences and so sometimes when we always talk about the idea of man it'd be so cool to have like a coffee shop here at our church, the reality is we just want to create an environment where we get to have stories and experiences with other people. Uh, and create that but you yeah. know in midwestern like you had the the coffee shop and the student center and then on like one side of it you had the school bookstore yeah so, like literally like people were coming all the time to buy books or you know get more resources for a research paper or whatever yeah. but then on the other side of it was just all this like seating really like big leather couches and fireplace and had these beautiful giant windows that overlooked the rest of the campus and especially like if it was snowing outside i mean oh, like man. it was just picturesque and then you'd have like you know the great books that you just bought with a cup of coffee <laughs> half of your professors are in that room like oh yeah um yeah you're making me miss kansas city but uh about that. if we could <laughs> you know recreate something um i mean maybe to make it a little more theological and get off of just yeah. the coffee stuff like um i mean one of my favorite verses i tell this to the youth regularly comes from Romans 12 where Paul says like rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Yeah. And I think it's too easy in the American church. Like you can sit in the back of a Sunday school class or like somewhere in the sanctuary and never be vulnerable with people. Yeah. Um, but it's in that space with people that you trust Yeah. that real life change happens. Yeah. And, um, well, and that's, I mean, it goes back to the philosophy that Starbucks had from their beginning. They, they did coffee and I think they, when they did their, their starting, they did coffee well. I mean, obviously, they've blown up to this massive thing. Ideologies aside, I mean, what, what they want to do as a company and how they want to run themselves, that's up to them. Just like it's up to Walmart and AT&T and all them to target to make, make their decisions. 
But one of their core values as a company was to create a third place. It's not home and it's not work. It's where you go to take that break from your day. Like maybe before you go home from work, it's that place you go to decompress your day, talk life, and then venture out. And I think that's always even been my goal when I was doing youth ministry here. I want to create a space for teenagers that is a third place for them, a a place for them to say it's not work, it's not home. And I think that's kind of the overall idea of a church facility as a whole. As a facility, we need to be creating a place where it's not just worship on Sunday morning or Bible studies during the week, but this is a place where people can come and go and feel a part um, during the week, and they feel like this is a place for them to veg out and and get away uh, from the normal routine and just take a break from it for a second. I mean, if you remember when we talked to Brother Paul, he was talking about how they'd be at the church five days a week. Yeah. And it's like most churches don't have something for you to come to five days a week. Yeah. And, and that's way, you know, we took it as a way to say our facility needs to be running something during the week and maybe not every day of the week, but it needs to be used. Like I, I, I hate seeing a building be empty. Um, cause it just to me, it's just not being a good steward. And so we try to use it, but I, I think for us and for me, seeing the value that coffee's brought into my life and not just on the, the coffee drinking side, but even on the roasting side, um, getting to talk with people about that process and what that goes, they, their mind just explodes. And like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I didn't realize you, there was so many little nuances to it. And for some people that's boring. And, and I get that. Um, and there are, there are subjects out there that if you try to talk to me about certain stuff, I've, I have many conversations where I ask somebody from church to church or from church to lunch and we start talking about their job or their work, what's their hobby, and I'm bored out of my mind. It, no, no offense, but I can't relate. It's because I cannot relate in that setting. It's probably going to be most people listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all have already checked out. Like, oh, they're talking about coffee. I've checked out. Yeah, no one's listening at this yeah, point. Yeah, at this point, and, and we're probably like an hour in already. I'm sure, but um, <laughs> but but for me, there is that thing where if I can educate someone just a little bit, and I try to always not talk too far over their head. Like I want it to be simple and understandable so that they can appreciate it. I don't want them to be like, Oh, this is too cumbersome. I want it to be like, this is an well, appreciation. Even if you don't talk about coffee at all, yeah, but you're sitting there enjoying whatever you're drinking and yeah. you're talking about your work or your marriage or parenting yeah. or your hobbies, like non coffee hobbies, like yeah. whatever you're connecting with other people over. Well, like, and that, I've had worth it. That's the I, point. I've had great conversations over a bad cup of coffee. Oh yeah. All the time. I mean, great conversations. And you know, that's always the thing. Even when we have people over at our house at the end of that meal, there's going to be a, Hey, you guys want some coffee? Because they're going to sit and they're going to relax in your living room. They're going to talk about life. And, um, and I think that's really the more enjoyable part of it. So when we talk about having an affinity for coffee, I think there's that idea of we love coffee. I mean, don't get me wrong. We love the notes. We love the processes. We love the brewing methods. I mean, I probably have, I think Travis is, he's a little more minimalist than I am on it. I probably have like 10 brewing methods for making coffee at my house um, from Aeropresses to Chemex to V60s to uh, my uh, OXO pour over to my espresso maker that doesn't include my French press. You know, I mean, I could go on and on about the different methods and that doesn't even really, I think, scrape the surface of what you could get 
uh, in coffee. Um, and there's still new things I'm still learning. Like I think a couple of years back, I learned how to make Cuban coffee. That's fantastic. I mean, it's like jet fuel for your body. <laughs> Um, there's a ton of like white, wait, I was thinking of like Turkish coffee. What's Cuban coffee? Oh yeah. No, Turkish coffee is interesting though, too. I, yeah. I actually have a Turkish coffee pot too, but I haven't had a chance to really figure it out. So Cuban coffee, you use the mocha pot on your stove and you put your espresso in it and it comes up through that. And that when you're doing your mocha pot, you lift the top and that first little bit that's really dark that seeps out, you pour that into, uh, some like white sugar that you have on the side. And then you whip the fire out of that coffee and sugar and it creates this kind of a foamy mixture. And then you pour your coffee on top of that. So you have like this uh, quarter to half inch of like sugary foam that sits on top and you just make that into shots. Hmm. But anyway, so when people would go on mission trips with us, they would they would do uh, even different types of coffee. But Vietnamese iced coffee um, is one of my more favorite ones, I think, to do. Uh, it, but you have to have the right coffee and really kind of sourcing coffee from Vietnam can be kind of tricky. I've seen some Indonesian coffees coming out recently that are uh, a little bit similar to it and you get some from Vietnam, but it's at, that's kind of a rare one to get distrib- distribution wise because it's so it's not produced in high volumes. Um, most of your coffee produced is going to be like Brazil. Uh, they're one of the bigger production companies. Um, but I don't know. Coffee is just interesting. And and so not just the brewing methods, but even just the method of conversations that you get to have. Um, so it, I don't know. Coffee's fun. Real fun. Yeah. Um, but so when we talk about this being Calvary coffee hour, we want you guys to understand, uh, Travis and I, for the most part, this is unscripted. Uh, I don't think this is I mean, 100% yeah, unscripted. We don't, we don't, we, we kind of maybe come in with an idea or some, some topic thoughts, but usually I'm in my office reading and Charles walks by and says podcast now podcast now go. Uh, but that's because you would probably clam up if I gave you like a pretty crazy topic. <laughs> yeah. Cause I want to overthink it and plan and very and type a, and you don't want to do I that. Don't do that. I'm like so a we golden, just sit and talk and somehow people listen. I'm like a golden retriever. I'm like the ball is outside. I want to be outside where the ball is, you know. Um, and so, <laughs> going back to your point, I think you were saying something about, you know, this will probably be the only episode that we spend the whole time talking yeah. about coffee. Yeah. But the point is, we're gonna talk about church stuff, talk yeah. to other church people, and yeah. if you so choose to listen to this and enjoy a cup of coffee, yeah. Do so. And if you want us to interview you and you can drink coffee with us, we're we're fine with that. I mean, we have zero problems. So as long as you like talk about something cool and not like your dog's tumor or something, I don't really want to spend an hour talking about tumors in dogs. But, uh, but you know, if you've got thoughts and ideas, I mean, we want to hear those things. And that's our goal. We want to hear from our people. We want to, I mean... We want to, we want to hear from you and, um, and we, we want to enjoy, we want you to enjoy coffee the way we enjoy coffee. Um, and it may be the only time you ever taste it the way we love to brew it or make it. Um, but just getting to have those conversations together. And so for us, these unscripted times together, we are usually drinking coffee and we're talking about what we would normally talk about in our offices. So when you hear us talking, this is kind of like a, a, a day in the life of us around here in the office. So um, we didn't give you a full on, I think every little bit about coffee today, 
By no means. By no means. We didn't even go to the coffee wheel. Like we didn't. I mean, we missed a lot of stuff. Grind size. Oh well. There may be some more times in there, but our hope is that every time we do meet, we're going to try to get some different coffees and be like, hey, today we're drinking a uh, such and such, such and such, this process. Roasted by so-and-so. Yeah, and uh, we've even got former uh, former church members that are now living like in Northwest and things like that that are, I, I talked to one of them the other day, and she's actually a uh, production roaster. They bought their her company that she worked with was small. They bought five cafes, and she's over the roasting for all five cafes now. Um, and she was a member of Calvary Baptist Church from youth to college to uh, now where she's at. So, I mean, even those things, it'd be cool to uh, even taste that and see what people from Calvary are doing in the world of coffee uh, today. So anyways, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode. And if you didn't enjoy it, let us know. Um, we may not care but you know definitely let us know and uh, again if you have any questions or thoughts or any topics that you want us to try to cover we want to hear those and so you can always email us you can text us you can find us on a sunday morning um and we want to know hey how can we better serve you during your week how can we better serve you just for a small amount of time so hit us up uh talk with us and we want to uh help you be a part of this time together. So thanks so much for listening to this week and we hope that you have a blessed one.